Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, and Ahmadu, and Sunday of Sulukain, and my bad. Father Shaitan Rajim, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, Salakum brothers, and Zampum Lahiran for attending uh, the second series of our Tafsir session. Suratul Inshikak is, is, is part of uh, a series of surahs. There's two other surahs that are similar to Suratul Inshikak. Suratul Inshikak, the title means the splitting of the sky, or ascender. The two other surahs that conclude with it is Surah Infitar and Surah Taqwir. Mm. As mentioned in a hadith by the Prophet وسلم, he said, if you want to see Yawm Al-Qiyamah, visualize it, one should recite three surahs. Surah Taqwir, as we know, is a Shamsu Quwilat, Surah Al-Infitar, is that Sama on Fatrat and the Surah that we're going to cover today, inshallah, which is Surah in Shaqah, is that Sama on Shaqat. Now, the common factor of these three Surahs is that all three Surahs they describe the events that will take place on Yawm al Qiyamah. And Surah in Shaqah is actually the conclusion part of all three, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of not only the events, also the situation of mankind and the transition period that humans can go through, and also the glad tidings, how some will receive the book of deeds on the right hand and given the glad tidings of Jannah, and how some will receive, unfortunately, on the left hand, and they will be told that the award will be Jahannam. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Before we begin uh, the actual, actual uh, uh, discussion of this surah, Surah Al-Inshiqaq, uh, what we're going to do is first go through the recitation so that you can at least hear and you can observe what the surah sounds like. And after that, inshallah, um, we're going to start. But what will happen is there is a sajda in between in this ayah. So what we're going to do is that we're going to recite it. Then we're going to go and do the sajda next door in the prayer room. And then we're going to come back, inshallah. Okay? <clears throat> أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا السماء شقت وأذنت لربها وحقت وإذا الأرض مدت وألقت ما فيها وتخلت وأذنت لربها وحقت يا أيها الإنسان إنك كادح إلى ربك كدحا فملاقيه فأما من أوتي كتابه بيمينه فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا وَيَنْقَلِبُ إِلَى أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ ظَهْرِهِ فَسَوْفَ يَدْعُو ثُبُورًا وَيَصْلَى سَعِيرًا 
إنه كان في أهله مسرورا إنه ظن أن لن يهور بلى إن ربه كان به بصيرا فلا أقسم بالشفق والليل وما وسق والقمر إذا اتسق لتركبن طبقا عن طبق فما لهم لا يؤمنون وإذا قرئ عليهم القرآن لا يسجدون Brothers, let's just go and do sajda, inshallah, and we'll continue. A'udhu billahi minash shaytani rajeem. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. فَمَا لَهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ وَإِذَا قُرِئَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقُرْآنُ لَا يَسْجُدُونَ بَلِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُكَذِّبُونَ وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يُعُونَ فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ صدق الله العظيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعين ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئة عمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم رب شرح لي صدري ويسل أمري وحل الأقتة من لساني وفقه قولي أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم brothers Assalamu alaikum. Uh, we will begin first uh, just giving a rough translation at the beginning and then we will go and enter it in further detail, insha'Allah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ida sama'un shaqqat. When the sky is split. Wa adhinat li rabbiha wa huqqat. And it obeys obediently and attentively. Wa ida al-ardu muddat. And when the earth is flattened or stretched. وَأَلْقَتْ مَا فِيهَا وَتَخَلَّتْ When, the, uh, it, when it, the earth, it throws out what is in its, uh, within it, what's فِيهَا, what's in it, وَتَخَلَّتْ And empties itself. It's basically the word خَالِي Like in Bengali you say خَالِي yeah? It's basically, uh, it becomes empty. وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ And it hears, it uh, obeys, and it uh, hears attentively and it obeys. يا أيها الإنسان إنك كادح إلى ربك كادح فملاقيه O man, indeed you are toiling and struggling towards your Lord in a struggle and you will meet him or you will meet it as in the, the, the ghaya, the result of what you seek uh, your good actions or your bad actions فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِهِ And as for the one who receives the book on his right hand, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا He will receive a, a, a light reckoning. وَيَنْقَلِبُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا And he will return to uh, his people or his family, to his ahl, happy. أي in Jannah. Insha'Allah. وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ ظَهْرِهِ And as for the one who receives the book on his left hand, behind his back. فَسَوْفَ يَدْعُوْ ثُبُورًا And he will call out for destruction. He will call out for being destroyed. وَيَصْلَى سَعِيرًا And he will burn intensely. إِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي أَهْلِهِ مَسْرُورًا Why? Because when he was in the dunya, he was amongst his ahl, Masrura. He was happy. 
innahu dhanna an lan yahur because he believes he will never return bala inna rabbahu kana bihi basira nay indeed his lord is with him observant and seeing all that he does now i'm going to go through the rest later because we're not going to enter those ayat yeah we're going to cover roughly this section of uh, text inshallah ta'ala bismillahir rahmanir rahim so let's begin now it would be ideal if you brothers if i advise you to maybe if you've all probably got fancy phones to pull out the quran and just have the translation next to you so then if you feel that you're getting lost or you want to keep track of it then inshallah it will be it'll be probably uh, easier for you if you just have a quran even you could even have done that so uh, that's my advice bismillahir rahmanir rahim first of all one thing i didn't do in the suratul fatiha class is that i didn't give many prerequisites to approach the quran some adab on how to approach the quran so i thought i'd give just a brief explanation of, of what our aim is what is our final objective for why we want to study the quran you know so there are some do's and don'ts that i want to go through and this is important because the perfection is not just in understanding the quran is fulfilling the prerequisites so for example if you perform salah perfectly with every perfect movement and you don't have wudu then it's still null and void so we need to make sure that we look for uh, the inner and outer dimensions of what uh, we need to achieve to understand the quran yeah and he has these some prerequisites now not only should we discuss the quran in this class in fact what we should what we need to be doing brothers what we need to be doing brothers is that we need to on some level even socialize yeah or in a you know or, or, and discuss the quran yeah i.e. that when we meet it shouldn't be that we are in classes and then in other situations there is absolutely no mention of quran the mentioning of quran yeah is something that should take part in all of our environments and not just in a class secondly we have to make sure that when we experiencing troubles and woes and and stresses in our life that we need to be by the quran even in that time it needs to be a companion with you in your troubles and within your problems you know this is not a time to then uh, look into self help book or the, all of these things if you were contemplating about the quran at the time you will find much shifa much healing and much uh, guidance and hidayah from the quran Th- uh, thirdly even when we're comforting someone else who's going through strife and difficulty if we were companions of the quran then we could advise people and then we could have helped them out we could have given them advice about look you know this is this is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and we could comfort people according to the quran at the same time when we advise brothers sometimes brothers have noticed um, they give really bad advice you know they give bad advice and it's because they don't think it through they don't think they, they don't realize that you know that in islam we have everything we need you know and that there are if you go to some of the bookshops in cairo you know they have massive bookshops and you think subhanallah with all of these books yeah if you didn't have this quran relatively smaller book you know compared to these thousands of books none of those books would exist they are all extrapolations and contemplations and and uh, and and ahkam and many other things that are extracted from this book So for this reason we need to uh, you know really appreciate that the Quran is something that outside of this class is something that should be our companion and not just you know that we are visiting it now. And one of the reasons I say this is because when you see how generally people are nowadays and we have we can't talk devoid of how life really is. Brothers are you know generally you can see people are not very serious you know where we either joking or entertaining ourselves or we're joking and entertaining someone else and brothers you have to understand that that's not an environment where the quran is welcome even when you are joking if you joke too much or if you're entertaining yourself and others too much you will realize that the quran isn't welcome someone will even tell you to turn the quran off because in that situation you have is not appropriate to have a situation where you know when brothers are laughing and joking and then someone so we really need to make sure we build an environment where the quran is actually welcome in our environment like one of the ulama say they say that in a house where there's music you know there's no quran and it's so true with the house there with this tv and the music and the chimes of advertising and everything else is not there you'll find the house has got quran in it 
But when the TV is rattling off and it's making all that noise, you'll find that you don't really have that motivation and it just doesn't feel like a right situation to be reciting Quran. So it's just something to consider. But more importantly is how we approach the Qur'an. I want to d- discuss this because people look at the Qur'an like it's just mu'amalat, manasik, and uqubat. Like it's just either transactions or it's punishments, you know, or it's just some rituals. Yeah? Like the Qur'an is only, it is these things, but only just a manual. Brothers, the Qur'an, yeah, the Qur'an al-Kareem is not, uh, you know, like a manual you know, that you use to repair a washing machine or to install your skybox, you know. And we are neither mechanical beings that we just uh, have these instructions and that we follow these instructions, yeah, and that, you know, we, uh, we live our life according to this. When we talk about the implementation of Qur'an in our lives, we mean that we address the fact that we are human beings. That as human beings, we have emotions, we have instincts, we have moods and psychological states. And the Qur'an came to address all of those things. And if you don't allow the Qur'an to address those different uh, facets to your personality, then you will have advertising, TV, music, socializing, molding, and street culture, and street language, all of these things molding these aspects of our personality. So we may have one part of us that's actually Islamic in one regard, and the other we are allowing, we're leaving it to the West to nurture us, grow us, culture us. Um, especially if you are a da'i If you are someone who gives da'wah This is essential brothers Honestly, I warn you that To be honest with you If you don't have a closeness with the Quran You will have possibly I, from my, Just from my own experience You will have possibly two outcomes As a da'wah carrier Without closeness to the Quran One, you will become mechanical Harsh Rubber glove wearing You know, very uh, A clinistician do you know what I mean? Very, very uh, uh, like mechanical in, your, in the way you are. Because you'll see this as this is the da'wah and that's it. And you won't have this uh, softness to your personality. You won't have this other aspects of your personality molded. You know? And this can actually cause, at the least, it will make your da'wah and your understanding of Islam very dry. And at worst, it can be a danger for you. And the second type of person is the person that really, if he doesn't have the Qur'an as a companion, the da'i, to be honest with you, he's actually setting himself up to implode. Because he's not addressing some of the things that are within his heart, within his mind, and those things will slowly, slowly, over time, not dealt with. He will face some crisis that will test that weak chink in his armor, that weakness in himself, and then he will fall apart. Allahu alam. So brothers, we need to have some fluidity, some consciousness, cognizance, some humanity, you know, some humbleness when we talk about the intellectual proofs of the Qur'an and when we talk about proof of Qur'an, when we talk about Islam. You know, we need to have some of these characteristics because sometimes what happens is, is that I find that we will revel in the superiority of the argument and forget the inferiority of the adherent. Meaning that we could talk about proving God and we go, wow, you feel very... You know, sometimes we can be so, feel so confident that, wow, I can prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. Like I'm here or like we exist in the sense that we know that it's for fact we can prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. And we could feel that superiority of, the superiority of arguments make us feel somehow wrongly superior. We should feel that when we talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being unlimited and being independent and not needy of anything, it should make us more realize how actually needy we are and how dependent we are and how limited that we are. And this should, this should be a, have a, the aqidah of Islam should be a humbling effect. So... Why did I mention this? Because sometimes we have a, a, a legalistic approach to the Qur'an. Like for example, we think that Islam came to address the aql. Now Islam did come to address the aql as much as it came to address the nafsiyah. The aqliya and nafsiyah are not, brothers, something that us one is superior over the other. Just like a man and a woman, a wife and a husband, no one is superior to another. But they have different roles. They have different roles. So in one sense, the wife will have more charge of certain matters, whereas the husband will have more charge over other matters. 
That's not superiority, that's just different roles. So if you don't tend to the nafsiya aspect when you're, uh, when you're studying the Qur'an and you just take pure, cold, legal issues and you just want to just take, extract laws from it and you don't want to actually have a relationship and closeness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find that you put yourself into dangerous ground. And one of the examples to give you, to show you, and I can show you many, but one of the chinks, the blind spot. You know like when you drive, they teach you that there's one angle that you can't see in a car. Is that true? You know, I don't drive. Right? That's true, right? So there's a blind spot to the aqliya. Shall I give you an example? One of the shari'i principles is that what is haram, what leads to a haram, is in itself haram. Correct? Now if you think about that principle, brothers, it means that the thing in origin that leads to the haram isn't haram. Does that make sense? Because if it was haram anyway, it wouldn't matter what haram it leads to. It's just haram. But the principle is that what leads to haram is haram. Okay? Which means that your aql will tell you, because you're a robot, uh, this uh, action is halal, it's permitted, what's wrong with it? And you will excess in the mubah until you fall into the haram. You see? You will excess into the mubah, you will then fall into the doubtful matters, and then you, from the doubtful matters, you will fall into the haram. So this is a blind spot for the aqliya, is it not? What do you think, brothers? Seriously, if you think about it, these are the blind spots for aqliya. We can say, oh, what's wrong with it? It's mubah. What's wrong with it, brother? It's mubah. We say everything is mubah. And then we excess in the mubah. So this is something, you know, we need to think about the aqliya. A very nice quote by Imam Ghazali. May Allah uh, have mercy on him. When, he's, when he talked about the relationship between the intellect, when he talked about the relationship between the aql and uh, the nafsiya, the aqliya and the nafsiya. He said, when the intellect is balanced, it will bring forth discretion and excellence of discernment, penetration of thought and correctness of conjecture, and an understanding of the subtle implications of actions and hidden defects of the soul. Subhanallah, this is the benefit, the, uh, the mind and its ability to distinguish, to, to, to distinguish between two things. This is the quality of the mind. It was given to us so we could distinguish between haq and batin. Isn't it? When we said in Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Alameen, we said why not awalim and so on, it's lil aqil, in recognition that we have this ability to think. So when we have this, is, uh, Imam Ghazali is saying that the benefit of uh, being able to think is this ability to discern and to be able to really analyze things. You know, for example, if you want to uh, look at the situation of what's going on in Egypt, yeah? If you spend all your life yeah, just within the precincts and the area of your masjid and your imam and you just basically bring salah and then you go home and then you, know, you read some Quran and you're not contemplating and thinking and discerning about what is going on outside in relation to the Quran I'm reciting, you'll find that you really don't know the situation properly. So this is the benefit of the aqliya. He said, when it is unbalanced in the direction of excess, meaning the aqliya, so, there's not, you know, they say, you know, people think the more aqliya, the more clever you are, the more, you know, the more Islamic you are. This is not true, but true brothers. That means that would put some of these scientists, Richard Dawkins and these, they put them all in Jannah. You know, the one who is intelligent is the one who has ikhlas. That's the intelligent one. And so for this reason, what we have to look at is, what are the excesses of the aqliya? You see, what I'm doing now, brothers, is that before we go into Surah Al-Inshiqaq, I'm trying to take some of the studentiness right, out of us. Meaning that I'm trying to take, dispraise the aqliya. Because depending on the person, I would praise and show them the importance of the aqliya. But with the current audience that I have now, I'm spending time dispraising the aqliya. Bringing it down to, I believe, where its level is. Anyway, he says, when it is in excess, then cunning, swindling, or salaki, chalaki, yeah, or ansalakha. Uh, Salakha is in, actually in the Quran and it means uh, where a snake wriggles out of its, uh, uh, out of its skin. You know, this salakhiness is even in the Quran, you know, chalaki. Anyway, deception, slyness as a result. And when that of defect, meaning that the nafsiyah is not, you know, is not in line with aqliya, he says then stupidity, inexperience. If you think about now, who speaks about political events that goes on and you see the ramifications of how they talk about political events. It says, what will they will be affected by is stupidity, inexperience, foolishness, heedlessness, and even possibly insanity. 
other consequences, subhanAllah. This is in his book, uh, Disciplining the Soul Between the Two Desires, if anyone's interested. So this balance in the, uh, is achieved in the Qur'an, and therefore the balance that the Sahaba achieved within their aqliya and nafsiya was via their relationship with the Qur'an. So brothers, I cannot stress to you enough that the Qur'an needs to be a companion in some parts of our, even our socializing. It needs to be parts of our sorrows, in our happinesses, in our advising, everything else, inshallah. Then there is the opposite. The ones who don't just make the mis- uh, go excess in what I call ظاهرun nas, nas, those who excess in ruhun nas, the people who follow the spirit of the text and don't follow the letter of the text. You know, if you want to make some parallels with some of the discussions we had in غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَضَّالِينَ The people of Maghdub and the people of Dalin, yeah, in Surah Al-Fatiha. When we look at people who are now talking about Quranic gems and they're talking about, what's it, pearls, Islamic pearls, Quranic gems, you know, this kind of kunuz, you know, these kind of treasures. And the problem is, brothers, it sounds a lot like uh, a curate, curator. You know, if you know what, uh, what a curator is, it's like the man you know who walks around in the museum and says, uh, "This is the this is a great painting that the Quran has drawn, and it has a metaphor, and it has these similes, and you know, and it has these contours, and uh, you know, much like a Rembrandt painting, uh, painting you know, the diff- the the deep." different gradients of darkness accentuates the small amounts of light and this kind of you know curator of a museum brothers we are not curators of a museum we're not going to be blinded by the the glistening of the pearls of the quran and the jewels of the quran and forget the actual meaning of the quran and forget the commandments of the quran and not obey the commandments of the quran because sometimes this is what happens when we talk about quranic pearls and quranic gems and you know one of the interesting things is, is I studied, uh, you know, uh, Asma'ullah. You know, I studied the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Asma wa Sifat. And one of the things, you know, you never find, you have Al-Musawwir and Al-Khaliq and so on. But you don't have the artist. Isn't it? You don't have a name like the artist. Na'udhubillah, it's actually, if you ask an Arab, they'll tell you that this sort of name is for, you know, the actors and the painters and all of these kind of people. Do you get what I mean? This is not something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't even have these names. You know, like Rassam and Fanna. You know, the painter and the, and the, you know, the artist and all of these things. We don't have these. Mumathil, you know, actor. SubhanAllah. billah. We don't have these names for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to think about how we don't look at the Qur'an as a work of art and then forget the commandments. Yeah? So sometimes one brother will go to me, oh, Brother, you know, can you just carry on telling me some Qur'anic gems and forget what is actually telling me what to do? He didn't say it like that. But he basically is not interested in what my Lord is commanding me to do. So I just want to make sure that we keep a balance between the ruhun nas and the zahirun nas. You know, the letter of the text and the spirit of the text. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah, so don't appreciate the Quran like an art critic. Basically, that's my point. Okay, what themes we're going to discuss in Surah Al-Inshiqaq? Just to give you a heads up so you know what follows and what's ahead. Um, there are mainly three surahs that relate to it. Uh, surah Al-Takweer. And Surah Al-Infitar, yeah? And now these two, two surahs, there's another surah, Surah Al-Mutaffifin, which follows not in the same style and, uh, as uh, Surah Al-Inshiqaq, like uh, Surah Al-Infitar and Surah Al-Takweer, but it follows it in meaning. So it has parallels where there's sometimes a, almost like a question or some point being made. Like about the Yadhakun, those who laugh at the believers, and then a response comes in, Surah Al-Inshiqaq. Uh, for those uh, people, yeah. So, this is uh, these are the related surahs, yeah. Uh, um, also, we uh, we need to realize that the, the these three surahs they're, they're an amalgamation of very similar themes, yeah. So I will be not dealing with just one surah. I'll be kind of uh, looking into other surahs that have parallels. For example, the other two surahs, Surah Al-Infitar. Yeah, and Surah Al-Takweer, they all start with Ida, 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 Wa Ida, Wa Ida, Wa Ida. So he's saying, and when something happens. So we're going to be going into that, inshallah. Ta'ala. This is just like a, to give you a shape so that you can start fitting in the components that I'm going to give you, inshallah. Okay, so kind of like a menu. Yeah. So, the four themes. Uh, Ayah 1 to 5, it's about the events of the last day. Yeah, this is the Ahdathun fi yawmil akhir. Yeah, akhirah. Then it's the Ar-Rihla, 
yeah, from uh, ayah 6 to 15, the inevitable journey to our Lord. This is the second theme. The third theme is uh, uh, basically the importance of tafkir and tadrij, or uh, the, the taking place of tadaruj, you know, this idea of stages happening in a gradual sense. Inshallah, let's let the Adhan finish, Inshallah, and we'll continue. Where I finished off is saying Tafkir wa tadrij Yeah, or tadarruj Yeah, don't be scared when I say tadarruj Okay, it's just graduation of one thing To an, uh, one stage or one step to another Yeah, um, this is from Ayahs 16 to 21 And the fourth theme is uh, The importance of It's a nadir and tanbih So basically you're going to have some things like nadir um, doesn't mean like warning, it means like a harbinger of something bad coming. Yeah, so it means warning, but it means of something ahead that's coming. And tanbih is to alert you or, or to warn you as well. Yeah, so these are the four themes that we're going to mention, and that's from ayah 21 yeah? towards the end, inshallah. So, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. When we say, yeah? The word ida, this is something that before we even go into the detail, there's a general theme that you'll notice, brothers, that ida, it's mentioned many times with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah? Just a certain thing, if just by reading, you'll notice that it's ida, 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 and when and when. And this is one of those conditional statements. So this is what they call ismu shart. Yeah? So this is saying that when something A happens, B will happen. Okay, so Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا So this is when the people, when Allah SWT gives the Nusra, yeah, when the Nusra of Allah SWT is given to you when it comes, and the people will come in droves, what? Isn't it? It has this sense of feeling that what do you want us to do? Isn't it? فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِكَ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you know that, do sabbih, uh, you know, do tasbih, yeah, praise Allah and glorify Him, and astaghfir, and also seek His forgiveness, you see? So even, you know, maybe right now, from whatever da'wah you're doing, you may not get them coming in afwaja, meaning the plural of the jamun of jamun, you know, the plural of groups, yeah, that you're getting whole nations coming to Islam. But even if you have a successful event, just as a side point, really at that time is not to be high-fiving and chest-bumping, yeah? Right? At that time is to probably to istighfar, isn't it? Yeah? To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness, yeah? And to be in the hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we, have, you know, we need to think about that. Because the fa, yeah? When it says, fasabbih, the sabbih, yeah? That's the jawabu shart. Yeah? That's the jawabu shart. That is telling you that when such and such, then such and such. Does that make sense? Anytime you, you know, lose me, yeah, I may lose you. I might just steamroll him, but if you, you, you're welcome to stop me, brothers, and just say, look, what does this bit mean, okay? Now, so this is when the ida. You'll find an interesting thing about ida is that when Allah SWT mentions ida, it comes with, it's called yaqiniyyah, yeah, means that it's a, a certainness or with certainty. And that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about something that you want to do, he always uses in. Or he uses a lot of time, he uses the word in. So it's like if. SubhanAllah. It's just a pattern that you'll notice, isn't it? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. When you say, for example, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِّمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَبْدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِصُورَةٍ مِّن مِثْلِهِ Do you get it? It's saying, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ if you, if you have doubt. Meaning that, you're not able, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it, yeah. It has that, that knocks, you know, that, that, that you won't be able to achieve something, you see. But when Allah SWT says He's going to do something, He says when, yeah, He uses this idha. So for you it's in, yeah, this kind of if, when. And when it's Him, he, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says idha, He means when. So just to note that that idha in itself has so much significance. Secondly, the idha is following a pattern of previous surahs, 
yeah, or the surahs around it of Surah Al-Takwir and Infitar, when they have also the similar pattern. When something happens, then something else happens. So, for example, it's وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ فُجِّرَتْ فُجِّرَتْ وَإِذَا الْقُبُورِ بُعْثِرَتْ so it says, when the seas explode and the graves are scattered in Surah Al-Infitar, it says this, What's the, these are the ismu shart, because the idha is the ismu shart. It's saying that here's a conditional statement. Something is happening, when this happens, something's going to happen. So when it says the seas explode, in other ayat, it says when they catch fire, subhanAllah, and all these other descriptions, it says when they explode and when the graves are scattered, bu'thirat, it says, Alimat Qaddamat wa Yeah, so it's saying basically that every soul will learn of what it did and the repercussions of what will come after because of the deeds that he did, did. Meaning that he will realize, he will learn of the good and the bad of his deeds. Yeah, these are talking about the last day, you know, the, 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 day, of, the day of when the, you know, the sa'ah, when the world is ending. Basically, the sequence of events that take place. So this is still within our first theme. But interestingly, in Surah Al-Inshiqaq, which is the surah that we're studying, there's not necessarily, uh, upon what they call taqdeer, there is a, it is estimated that there is a jawab. Do you know what jawab is? You know what, please tell me you know what jawab is. Because if I'm saying, you know, if I'm saying uh, um, jawab and you don't know what I mean, then you should... First of all, jawab, brothers, yeah? If you're Bengali, it's zawaf, yeah? Right? And if, you're, if you speak Urdu, I think it's actually jawab. <laughs> okay, so you're all right, okay? But if you're Bengali, you should really know it's zawaf. So there's a, there, there's a ismu shart. Shart means from shurut, you know, condition. And then there's jawabu shart, meaning that this is the answer for. So, for example, I say, when I get to the office, then I'll check my emails, isn't it? So it's the when and then, when and then. This is the pattern that we're following. So, Suratul Inshiqaq doesn't have a jawabu shart. Yeah? Not necessarily like a direct jawabu shart. The, the Mufassirun have said there are many reasons for this. One of the reasons is because one of its taqdeer is upon taqdeer, meaning that it is, it is hidden. Do you get it? It's, it's, it's meant, but it's not written. Do you get it? So, for example, if I say, um, uh, those of you who study Arabic, uh, you say, um, Al-Kalam. Lafdun, murakkabun, mufidun, qadwudi'. Yeah, this is from Ajrumiyah. If you study Ajrumiyah, you have to memorize lines of poetry. This is what it says what kalam is. Lafdun, which is sounds that are made with the tongue, which already disqualifies animals, you know. In learning grammar, we're fruit in evolution, yeah. So the first thing, because animals, even parrots who make noises like human beings, they do it with their throats, yeah. So lafdun, murakkabun, one on top of another, words on top of another. Mufidun, meaning that the listener has an understanding of what's being said to him. Do you get it? That he's satisfied. Because if I tell this brother, I said, bro, you know what? When I get to the office, alright? Do you get it? You're going to think, what happened? There's something, there's a nux, you feel a sense of lacking, isn't it? Yeah, that there was something coming there. So it's mufidun means that the listener has this satisfactory uh, nature to his, uh, what he's hearing. He, he, he fulfills the meaning of it. Okay? So, taqdeer, when you say something is estimated, means that the listener knows, the listener gets it. Do you get it? Yeah? Qadwudi' means basically that it follows the rules of Arabic grammar and that, that it's with consciousness. And also, mufidun, just so you want to know, teach you a little bit of, bit of grammar in the class. Mufidun also means that, you know, it makes sense as well. In the, in the sense that, you know, I can say, al-baytu kabirun saghirun, you know, qalilun kathirun, you get it. I could say everything, you get it, but it doesn't mean anything. I did do, did I do lafthun uh, murakkabun? Did I do words one on top of another? Yes, I did. Does it mean anything? It's gibberish, isn't it? And I could say, give you a hundred words. I could give you a hundred words, and those hundred words put together mean nothing. Yeah? So it means that it has to be mufidun, and then qadwudi. Yeah? But I don't, like I said, I don't want to give you a grammar lesson. The main important thing is to realize is that sometimes the answer is is within it, but not directly in the text. For example, we say, La ilaha illallah, not mawjudun, we said that. Do you remember, brothers? We said, Haqqan. This is taqdiruhu. In the shahada, there's a word that's not there, because it's estimated. Haqqan. There's no true God. Illallah. Yeah? 
So we see that there's, uh, the, they say that it's estimated. So the question we should all be asking if we knew Arabic, yeah, or we know some Arabic, or if we're Arabic students, is why is there no jawabu shart, even though there's an ismu shart? Why is it someone say, when this is going to happen, and then go, and then not say anything about it? So this is something that's estimated. You know, like for example, if I say to brother Aulad, Ustad Aulad, if I say to Ustad Aulad, Qum, you know, if I say like stand or rise, yeah, that doesn't follow the rule of lafdun murakabun, isn't it? Yeah, mufidun qadbudit. It's only one word. But he understands it because it, it, when I say Qum and I'm saying it to him, he knows that it means, you know, O Ustad, you know, stand up. Do you get it? So the sentence is full in his head. The only bit missing is the bit that he says stand. Do you get it? So it's estimated in his mind. So for example, um, if I say to a brother, uh, uh, um, uh, when am I going to see you next? Yeah, if I say to my nephew, I'm going to say, ah, oh, when am I going to see you next? And he goes, Tuesday. Do you get it? He didn't say, I am going to see you next on Tuesday. Yeah? He just said Tuesday because the taqdeer, the estimation of it is what? I'm going to see you on Tuesday. I know by the short answer, the remainder. Does that make sense? Have I made sense? Yeah. So they say that this is one of the reasons why. The other reason they say it's not there or not vahir uh, is because it's not needed. Because it's been exhausted in at taqwir wal infitar. Isn't it? It's been observed. Wa either, wa either. The hafidhan know this. Yeah. It's been it's been exhausted in this one in the sense that wa either, wa either, wa either, wa either, wa either. So this one it says wa either, wa either, and it just moves on to getting to uh, a new point that it's bringing to you in the surah. Yeah? So, these are the reasons, inshallah. Um, inshallah, let's finish some of these points, and then inshallah we'll pray. Yeah? Let, me, let me cover some ground with you, inshallah. Because I'm way on either now. Yeah? So I'm a bit trouble. I'll, I'll try and move on, inshallah. Okay. Right? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ida. Ida sama. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions as sama? There's, yeah, again, many reasons. Either sama, when the earth is split, yeah, just to give you the full sentence. So when, we know what that means now, the, uh, when uh, the asama is split. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala picks it? Well, for one thing, is that it's something that human beings consider to be fixed, firm, reliable, you know? We don't think that, oh, anytime the sky is going to go, you know? This is one of the things you can rely on. You know when you get off a boat, you go, you just want to hug the ground or something, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm a firm ground. Do you know what I mean? Or someone who does skating or ice skating or whatever, I've done these things. You know, but the, the thought scares me. Do you get it? You know, I just think I'm going to fall on the floor and then the blades are going to just take my fingers off, yeah? I'm sure you've all thought of that at some point. You know, so you get, you get worried, you know? So you think the ground and the sky are two things that I can rely on. I can bet on that. Do you know what I mean? There are friends who let me down, but the sky and the ground, he's there. Don't worry, you know? They're not going to change. They're firm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has picked something that you feel such confidence in and saying, when the sky is split, cracked in, uh, in other ayat. Yeah? And you can see, subhanAllah, that how vulnerable we really are. I mean, we are going crazy. Right? Hum humankind is going crazy because there's a blemish on the ozone layer, isn't it? Oh no, the ice caps are melting, you know, and this is going to cause, you know, too much, you know, water in the sea and this and that and gravitational pulls and all sorts of things they discuss here because of the ozone layer. This is, brothers, as a consequence of a blemish. Now, if I'm talking about ripping apart like this, the catastrophic effects on us in this dunya, you can imagine is far greater than what you're scared of, a little blemish, you know, and, and literally they have, do not all the leaders in the entire world meet up and talk about that blemish? Yeah? Well, this is a, a different kind of one. You know, this is ripping open. So you can see that Allah subhanahu wa has picked this and how uh, this affects us. Now the next word, إِذَا سَمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ Why Allah subhanahu wa picks in shakka? Well, one of the, reason, one of the word choices, uh, uh, you know, is important for us to recognize. You know, one of these word choices uh, um, is something that when you read about it, you will always look at the word, possible word choices that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have used and the effect of the specific word, because nothing is there by chance. Do you get it? Yeah, so for this reason, we have to look at what, what, other, you know, what other words or derivatives. So we're going to look at the, the jidr or the judur, the roots of the shin, qaf, qaf. Yeah, we're going to look at the roots and what those mean. 
So we have shikun. Shikun basically means to burden yourself in a way that's like something heavy or real burden. Meaning that I've given a brother like, you know, something too heavy to carry, basically. Yeah. So I'm giving someone too much of a burden. So this is a burden that's put on the sky. So that's one of the senses of the word. You see, you go to the root to get the sense of the word, the meanings, you know. Then there's, like, as you know, in the previous surah, because it was mentioned about the sky, when, it's, uh, when it discusses infitar, infitar is more like tearing. Yeah, like tearing. Yeah. And inshiqaq is more like cutting. Okay. Another, uh, 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 one of the derivatives also other than shiqqun is shaqqa yashuqqu. This is the verb, yeah? This is also to split, to cut. So, you know, shaqqa al-qamar and splitting the moon uh, and so on and so forth, yeah? Or splitting a rock. You know, the, the, there's many ayahs that discuss this. But the difference what in shaqqa and shaqqu is, yeah? The, the sense it carries is the lack of ability of putting it back together again. Do you understand what I'm saying? That it's irreparable. Yeah? It's not like, for example, you know, you rip something and you can sew it back on. You know? I'm talking about if I had a problem with some problem with my Mac, yeah, I get this technician brother and he looks at it. Do you get it? And he says, Alright, you need to change your RAM or something, or your hard drive or whatever, yeah? Isn't it? But if I get a hammer, I go, whack! And I go, fix that. Go on then. Yeah, it's not. It's not one of those things you can fix. You get it? You're not going to put the parts of the screen back together, glue them back, switch it on and say, I fixed it. It's something like when you smash a mirror in shaqqa, you know, it means that it's completely demolished and you can't put it back together again. Which heralds the sign for us to think that, subhanAllah, whatever processes are taking place, these are the motions, the last few things that happen in the asa'a, the last hour, that there's no going back. Okay, everything is doing its final thing. You know, and to give you another example, because I really want you to feel in shakka. You know, I don't feel you felt in shakka. Yeah, it's like if I, if a brother has his finger cut off nowadays, they what do they do? They what do they do? They pickle it. I don't know. What they do. They put it in water or they put it in ice, and then they put it back on, isn't it? And then you can you can use his finger again. But if I cut your head off, yeah, and I give you the head and I say, "Oh, doctor, can you have a look at this? You know, what can you do?" Yeah, it's irreparable, right? It's gone. It's finished. So this is what we mean by in shakka. Yeah, uh, it means to completely split in an irreparable way. Yeah, and we have to imagine what this means to us—the the enormity of the of the matter. Like brothers, look. Yeah, we are in this classroom, and if a cross section of this wall was taken out, literally just taken out, you know, like in the Hollywood films, you know, like a whole side of a building just smashes open. Can you imagine the? The, what we would feel Because the, 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 you, it's a force that is Something that is hard for you to measure Isn't it? Like you could If you saw me lift something uh, Heavy or whatever Reasonably have like a table or something You'd say okay you can pick that up But if I just like Literally Just pick a person up by one leg like that You're going to think Hold on a minute You know what I mean? It's going to look odd right? Because it goes against The normal kind of cause and effect That we're used to Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see? This is this is this is how we're you what you were used to a certain amount of import and then something else. There's, when you see something supernatural or you see something miracles are what they call supernatural, yeah, and and other major events we call supernatural because they are amazing feats that happen within the the confines of uh, the natural world. Yeah, but I don't want to give you talk about jazz and different types of miracle. But the point is is that when you have this and the whole wall comes off, you'll be thinking, who on earth? Has the ability to take a slice of a wall, just hello. Do you know what I mean? You're you're gonna freak out. So, brothers, if if that's what it would be on the side of the wall, you have to appreciate that in our busy lives, in the you know working and getting on with our lives, you know family and friends, that if you saw the sky split open and, yeah, wallahu alam, what you see through that, yeah. Other than what I'm gonna tell you, oh. That's a scary one, We're, but that's later. But the initial tearing apart, brothers, this is something that when you hear in shakka, you should feel like the sky opening up is like, it's just frightening. You know, it's one of the reasons why I didn't ask Ustad uh, Awlad Bay to recite, because the recitation is beautiful, 
And this is a very scary ayah. You know, this is something that you, it's, it's very uh, macabre. You know, it's very, very scary, you know, this, this surah. And the, you see, when, so when it's, it's saying when the sama is ripped apart. Yeah? Um, also, in Surah Al-Furqan, it discusses this issue. It says, وَيَوْمَ تَشَقَّقُ السَّمَاءُ بِالْغَمَامِ وَنُزِّلَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ تَنْزِيلًا So, the day that the sama splits open, isn't it, yeah? And the malaika descend, yeah? Or, in Surah Al-Fajr, uh, this was in Surah uh, Al-Furqan, in Surah Al-Fajr, it says, وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا مَفُّ الْمُطْلَقِ You know, this is showing that they will come rows upon rows. Subhanallah, when you're talking about legions upon legions of malaika, you know how powerful one angel is. So when you hear this, you're supposed to have a callback to previous ayat that are relating to this incident. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, and his angels are going to descend. Soffan soffa, subhanallah brothers. You know, all of these people like Sisi and all of these generals who think they're so powerful today. You know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings his ranks, when he brings his malaika, his legions, his armies, and it's supposed to be like a junood, you know, it's supposed to be like armies. Believe me, yeah, there will be no one yeah, who can who can face up to that? You know, one angel could turn a whole mountain and crush it on a nation. What do you think? Rows upon rows of angels coming through the crack of the, you know, of the sky. What that's going to look like, brothers? Because today, brothers, is not a time for you know for us to, you know, to make light jokes. This is something that is supposed to put fear in our hearts. That this is a day that is going to be witnessed by mankind. This heralds a time. When all uh, the things that we cling to in this dunya, yeah, and one of the most fixed things you cling to is the asama, isn't it? The rain, the agriculture, the food, the animals who feed off that, and the water cycle, and all the organisms and the and the symbiotic relationship between you know the nat the natural world and the animal life and human life. All of these things, complete disaster. All of this perfect harmony, complete disharmony. So we need to think about that, and it, and it also is calling back to make us think about our death, of course. Yeah, but we'll inshallah we'll enter that subject further on in the discussion. وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ وَأَذِنَتْ and it when it أَذِنَ يَأْذُنُ this verb is basically saying it comes from the word to permit or to listen. Yeah. So for example, like when Brother Firdaus yeah, he's talking to Tahir yeah, and he says, Tahir, you're gonna be there yeah. You're gonna, I need you to do something, yeah? I need you to pick up those uh, leaflets, you know? And you need to be at that masjid because that demo's up. And if we don't distribute this, you know, pick up those leaflets. You get it? Uh, and, and Tahir, he's showing, uh, you know, he's showing true compliance, you know what I mean? So in slang, and this is a good time where slang actually helps, or our kind of normal language helps you understand this Arabic than the English language can do, you know, the, the, the modern English. Because Tahir might go, I hear you. You know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. What does that mean? Does it mean I just heard you? And then yesterday he goes, yeah, I heard you say it. It doesn't mean I, I heard you. It means I hear you and I'm going to do it. وَسَمِعَنَا وَأَطَعَنَا Isn't it? Yeah? You see, This is what the tafsir of Jalalain. By the way, I never mentioned that the, the, the book, the, most of this uh, discussion and this tafsir, it's not really my you know, tafsir, it's just my, from my studies. It's a book called Hashia Tusawi Ala Tafsir Jalalain. It's a bit of a mouthful, but the book is basically what covers most of the tafsir that I studied. Yeah, um, I have a recommended uh, reading as well of some books that I've brought with me, and inshallah, after the class, if you like, I'll mention the books that uh, I studied. But it's one of those things that you can't really study a book and then go and give a tafsir class. You have to have studied this for five, six, seven, probably ten years. Some of the book, some of the discussion here, I read in a book when I was sixteen. Some when I was 20, some when uh, some brothers came from the Netherlands to meet me uh, to, to come to an event. And then basically they mentioned the book. He just mentioned the book. I think it wasn't even to me, to someone else. And I said, oh, that name of that book. And then I went and bought the book and, and so on. And it's an amalgamation of all of these points. So, you know, coming back to the subject, uh, when we say, well, it's like, I hear you. You know, I hear does not mean I'm listening only. It means attentively. 
yeah, and I'm going to obey. Yeah, so it has this, and you can see that even within the word azina yatunu, uzn. Yeah, isn't it when you say when you say uzunun? Yeah, you're saying ear, isn't it? So even this word to permit or to listen, to obey, it's got this word, and also the word another one, another alternative mustar from one of the derivatives derivatives of this uh, uh, fi'l, uh, this verb, is adhan. Isn't it? Adhan. You know, you hear the adhan. What does the adhan do? Is it, do you hear the adhan, yeah, and just go, that was nice, but I'm not praying today. Do you get it? You hear the adhan and you think, okay, at the very least, got to pray at some point. Isn't it? Yeah? It's in our minds now. We're programmed to think. As soon as we hear the adhan, got to pray at some point. You know? So, you know, this is one of the benefits of knowing what adhina is. Yeah? Why adhinat? Why the ta? This is just the ta u ta'neeth. You know, ta u mu'annath. It's just because adhinat, because asama is feminine. <coughs> one thing to know is usually in Arabic, big things are feminine. Yeah? Umma, you know, is feminine. You know, in case. Yeah? Right? And even the word um, it has the, from the root um, mother. You know? Or khilafa, you know, or khalifa, you know, this is also feminine meaning. But in, in case, uh, in, in form, but not in laf, but not in the meaning. Okay? So you see, big things usually come in feminine. Or for example, if you have uh, two of things on your body, they're usually feminine. And if you have one of things, it's usually masculine. Walla walla. Yeah? So, uh, where it, it hears, لِرَبِّهَا to its or to her Lord, رَبِّهَا, yeah? Uh, this Damir, yeah, again, it's not Rabbihi, Rabbiha, because the sky listens to her Lord. Wahukat, yeah, and it ob- obeys uh, uh, attentively and obediently. So, why is this being mentioned now? Do you get it? Why is this in this beginning of this ayah mentioned? So, I'll give you some background. First of all, it's addressing, ma- I want to say mainly, the Muhatab, yeah. The one who is addressed is the kuffar, the Quraysh. Tab'an. Yeah? Of course we're addressing the kuffar. But it doesn't mean that we say everything is usually a tanbih or nadir for the kuffar. Isn't it? It's a warning or a harbinger of something bad to come. Yeah? A warning of something bad to come. Yeah? Or it's an ibrah for the believer. So we should be, you know, we're here, right? So I'm gonna, we need to take what lessons from this. Uh, that we can. So when it, so it says hukat, you know. So it, uh, it does it obediently, you know. So it's one of the things it's doing is is actually, it's saying, you know, you 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 Quraysh, you know, you kufar, yeah. You think you're so big. You think you're so powerful. You think you're tough, and even the kibir or the amounts of it, yeah, the istikbar. If any of us have in our hearts that we need to remove. Yeah, if we want to see the light of Jannah, then we would know that, you know, we need to really contemplate on this, you know. That subhanAllah, the sky, in this enormous, encompassing thing, you know, it not only listens to his laws, وَسَمِعَتْ It says, وَأَطَاعَتْ Okay, it does it and it obeys and it does it obediently, you know. So it's talking about the state of the sky now. One is that it's doing it. This is, that's yakfi, you know, this is sufficient for us to say that it listened and it obeyed. You know, we got that point from the first word, right? Correct? Yeah? But now it's saying, you know, from wa'adhinat. Walirabbiha wa huqqat. Huqqat means it did it, yeah, without excuse. You know? There's this old, like, the Arab proverb, they say, Udhur akbah min dhambi. Yeah? They say the excuse is uglier than uh, the sin itself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we make excuses that are so horrible, man. You know, they're pathetic, you know? Do you know what I mean? I can't come because of... You know, we come up with very ugly excuses. And they say, you know, this akbah, uglier than, from qabih, yeah? Akbah min dhambi. It's actually more, your excuse was more horrible, uglier than the, the, the thing that you... The sin that you did. You know, the thing you made... Excuse you made up for the action. Why do I say this? Because, brothers, you know, we make excuses a lot. And we should try to avoid as much as we can to make excuses. You know, it's better just to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You know, and, and, and behave like this. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the sky to obey, and not only is it doing it, it's doing it, وَحُقَّتْ Isn't it? Without excuse. Without fussing around. Without going like the Jews. Isn't it? 
And he talks about, uh, sorry, what kind of cow, what color of the cow, you know, what kind of, you know, we don't know what kind of similar, you know, but what is this? What is this questioning? It's questioning because what did I talk about the status of the Aqliya brothers? Some of you brothers came late, yeah? Right? I talked about the Aqliya has blind spots. You know, a person who doesn't want to do action, he intellectualizes a lot. Sometimes the, the, the thing is not to think. Do you get it? Because you, when you do a thinking process, after that's over, the next part is to implement and to act. Not to look behind and go, oh, are you sure? I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, do you get it? And, and make excuses. Do you get it? We sometimes exalt the aql like it's some sort of stuff, like some sort of god. Yeah? Thinking has its place, give it its haq. But you'll see a person who basically misuses the aql, he makes excuses, he asks lots of questions. This is what the Jews did. In essence, is there really anything? Obviously, there was bad manners, it's typical of the Banu Israel. Look at the, look at the bad manners, isn't it? Yeah. Ask your Lord what he says. Your Lord? I thought it was your Lord too. Do you get it? Do you get it? You know, like when someone asks me on certain, you know, like hukums and things that within just my own personal fiqh I know, I'll tell them. But when they ask imams as well, they ask you, like, oh, you know what? So you're saying I can't take the uh, student loans uh, without interest and, and not have an education and live in a box. Do you get it? Why are you asking me the question in that way? Do you get it? Why are you asking them, framing the question in that way? It's because you have no really respect for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. You want the answer to agree with your, your need, your desire, your shahawat, you know? Your hawa. You know, these, these, these are the things you want. That's why you ask the question like that, you know? Are you saying? What do you mean? So, similarly, we, the Jews were asking like this. Ask your Lord what he says, what kind of cow? Because they do want to delay and delay it until, you know, they had to pay a fortune, yeah? For this golden coloured cow that doesn't work, that isn't too old, that isn't too young, that never ploughed the fields and so on and so forth. Yeah? So huqqat, I'm giving you some feel of it, that you did it obediently, with, uh, with ta'a, you know, with obedience. Uh, where were we? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, in uh, another surah, uh, it says in surah fussilat. Yeah, so I'm jumping over surahs, yeah. We're gonna this is all gonna amalgamate and then we can push forward as one piece inshallah. Yeah, but for now we have to look at the outside ayahs doing the tafsir of the ayah on the inside. Do you get my point? So we need to look at some of these ayat. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is it says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Ta'i'in. Yeah, rather they sorry, the sky and the earth, yeah, they said, Ta'i'in. Yeah, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them, He says, Allah says to the sky, Come to me. This is the two days when He, when he was creating the earth and everything in the heavens and everything. He said to the sky, Come to me, yeah, come to me obediently or forcibly. Do you understand? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the irresistible. Do you understand? That's one of His names. You are going to come to Him. You are going to meet Him, whether you like it or not. You can toil and you can distract yourself and everything else. Do you get it, you know? If I'm standing on the road on the motorway reading a newspaper, yeah, and a car hits me, just because I'm reading a newspaper doesn't make it uh, uh, create a force field around me, you know? I'm still going to get hit. Do you get it? Just because you distract yourself, it doesn't mean that the impending thing upon you, whether it's good news, you know, if the bushra is good news or bad news, that it's not going to hit you in the face. Okay? So this is, uh, uh, you know, uh, this issue of huqqat. And then the cloud and uh, the skies and the earth, qalata, the dual, you know, uh, they said, they said, atayna ta'i'in. They said, uh, we, uh, they said uh, it says, uh, they, first of all, you have to see that they heard. Yeah? And basically they said, we come in obedience. You get it? We're not going to come forcibly. We come in obedience. Yeah, so this is in relation to that. I, I seek permission from you brothers, like we've got Salah, you know, uh, around the corner, so um, shit, can I, if you let me finish this page in about 5-10 minutes, <coughs> is that okay with you? You know, you're, you know, yeah, you, you kind of, your it's your class, yeah, so 10 more minutes inshallah and then we pray? Okay, okay, bismillah. 
So the law isn't it? We're only on the second word. You're going to kill me if we don't finish this. Uh, so, uh, so first of all, we know that uh, when we look at وَسَمِعَتْ وَأَطَاعَتْ When we say وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ As a jumla, as a, as a sentence itself, we can see that there are some attributes given to it. So this is the third perspective on this line. That Allah SWT has given what we consider to be inanimate objects, correct? Like human-like faculties, isn't it? They heard and they obey and they come obediently and they even spoke. Isn't it? They spoke. So you've got to wonder why? Well, you know, the cloud saying we come obediently. Don't, we don't come forcibly. Yeah? Allah is saying, one way or another, you're coming to me. But they say, we, you know, we come obediently. Right? So we see what this, this element of them being animate. Do you know what I mean by animate? Are people either smiling because they understand what I'm saying or because I've lost you? Or are we okay? Are we okay? Yeah? Okay. Yeah? Just ask a question if you need to ask. Yeah? So the, the, the sky has got these faculties. One, what, there are many reasons behind this. One, it says, all, one of the reasons is because we know that all of the creation is in uh, dhikr and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That all of the things are in dhikr and hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All things pray, praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Though we may not understand their language if we were to apply a similar thing of communication, right? So we don't understand. That's the truth of it. Yeah? Uh, and second, uh, secondly, it's to... To, it's like tasghir, you know, it's to smallify, yeah, to smallify and to make feel small the Quraysh and the disbelievers and the mushrikeen that, so you're not listening to me after the free will that I gave you. I tell the sky what to do and it, and it comes running and does what I tell it to do, correct? I tell the sky what to do, yeah, and it doesn't just do it, it does it obediently. You know, uh, in servitude, you know, it, it, it like that. It's not like you know, it's it's making excuses, like unlike you. So it's to show them that the patheticness, you know, or uh, nature of the, of people, and just 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 to do with um, the dhikr, you know, that uh, actually I've mentioned the fact that the language we don't know the language, but they do hamd and dhikr of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and uh, the third reason is that I've explained before. It says that they listened attentively. So now we're on, uh, just to quickly move on, لِرَبِّهَا, her Lord, uh, i.e. the sky, and later on it's going to be the earth. وَحُقَّتْ, we've said that this is what is called a majhul verb, basically, that what you have is uh, you don't have the fa'il, yeah, you don't have the fa'il, it just means that it, حُقَّتْ, instead of حَقَّ يَحُقُّ, is حُقَّتْ, yeah, so this is a majhul verb, those of you who are, you know, Arabic students. Uh, so obey dutifully, obediently, um, and the next bit is wa idal ardu muddat, yeah. And inshallah, we'll continue that not after the break, yeah, but so after salat al asr, inshallah. Is there any questions so far about the first line? Any confusion about it? Okay. Let's pray, inshallah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.